I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our patrons, this is your extended ad-free version of this week's show. And if you're not yet a patron, but would like to get our ad-free versions, our extended cuts, live streaming, and access to our 24-7 Discord members club, head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech to find out how you can support us with zero, that's zero, commitment, and instant access to our entire back catalogue of extended shows, plus our brand new weekly retrospective feature, Opinion Quake, where Ian and I review our earliest published works and see how ridiculous or accurate our views on the tech world were. We included one for everybody last week, um, and it got great uh, a great response. So uh, that that's going in as a as an extra thing for uh, for the patrons each week. I can't believe you've called it Opinion Quake. Why? What did you think I was going to call oh, it? I don't know, but it's brilliant. Thank you. I did spend some time earlier with Kate coming up with that name. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Let's uh, also thank our new patrons. We had three new patrons this week, which is fantastic. Uh, Fallen in Sea, Richard Oldroyd, Raphael, welcome. And thank you very much for pledging to support us. It's amazing to have you here. We're trying to do a little bit of what Tom Merritt does over a Daily Tech news show and try and end the month with at least one extra patron than we had the previous month, which right now it looks like we're on track. So thank you very much. Ian, shall we swan dive into the uh, into the news? Yes, I think um, swan diving seems like a good way of entering the news. It does, doesn't it? Well, we're actually first going to talk about uh, a very brief update on the European plan to basically kill off over 300,000 .eu domain names as owned by the British. Uh, Last month, of course, you may remember the European Commission unexpectedly announced that for UK owners of .eu domains, Brexit would mean Brexit and their .eu domains would not be renewed following the UK's exit from the European Union next year. This is according to the register. Well, that plan, which would have killed off, as we said, over 300,000 British-owned owned .eu web domains has itself been killed off uh, as the European Commission has decided to open up the .eu registry to anyone who wants a .eu domain regardless of where they live. Ian? I said this is exactly what I said wasn't it? I said that they, they wouldn't do it because they can't. It's absolutely impossible to take away existing domain names from people um, because it's a security nightmare. So um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't take credit for that because it was my very smart friend who works for a registry. But um, he is right, absolutely right, and uh, I, and so there we go, vindicated, vindicated indeed. Yes. Um, well, let's uh, jump into a, a bigger story this week. Um, I was covering another five-hour hearing related to the Facebook. Cambridge Analytica scandal and this week and we vowed only to touch on this topic when there's a specific and high UK relevance but this week there most certainly and most definitely was. Mike Schrepfer who is Facebook's chief technology officer was appearing before a DCMS committee to give evidence in place of the company's chief executive officer Mark Zuckerberg 
uh, which MPs have also derided the company for somewhat. And there was an enormous contrast, I think, Ian, an enormous contrast between the kind of light touch questions that Zuckerberg got when he appeared before the US Congress, Congress with the exception of one uh, congressman, uh, and the beating that he that Schrupfer got in Britain. Um, one of the most heated exchanges came between him and MP Julian Knight. And the Conservative minister said Facebook was a, quote, morality-free zone, destructive to piracy, piracy, to privacy, and not an innocent party that was wronged by Cambridge Analytica. He said, your company is the problem. In fact, we can listen to a sound uh, clip of that now. The, the reason why I've asked you these particular questions, is I think it outlines for me a pattern of behaviour, an MO, if you like, for your company, bullying journalists, threatening academic institutions, and impeding, potentially impeding, investigations by lawful authorities. I put it to you today, sir, that Facebook is a morality-free zone, destructive to a fundamental right of privacy. You aren't an innocent party, wrong by the likes of Cambridge Analytica, but you are the problem, sir. Your company is the problem. What do you say to that? I respectfully disagree with that assessment. All right, okay. So you, I, you see yourself as somehow morally innocent in this respect? No, I think... Despite this, this catalogue of behaviour? Look, I think what you want from an organisation is transparency and responsibility. You want us to say when we're responsible for things, which we have in multiple cases, we've talked Only about mistakes. Only when you've been dragged kicking and screaming into that situation by inquiries such as this. Didn't really leave any stone unturned there. No, it was pretty, uh, pretty brutal, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it's hammering, and you know that was that was one one clip, and we have actually got another one that that we could play out, which is which was uh, from MP Joe Stevens, who was similarly unimpressed with the CTO's ability to answer certain question. There was one exchange; she was trying to find out why it took the company so long to tell users their data may have been compromised. So it's nearly three years, no, two and a half years, isn't it, since um, the, the breach occurred. And you're only now telling the affected users. Why, why the delay? Um, as Marcus said himself, we, we, uh, in retrospect, it was a mistake. We didn't inform people at the time. Uh, this is why we're informing people now and committing to, to do so in the future. But why didn't you inform them at the time? What was the, what was the decision process? Who made that decision? Um, I, I don't know who made that decision. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's You're the Chief Technology Officer, Mr. Shratford. Why, why don't you know? Yeah, I understand. I wasn't involved in the discussion. I, I don't know um, what happened. I, you know, I'm, I'm guessing uh, you, you know, the, the key thing at the time is, is the teams were focused on making sure people's data was safe and, and deleted and not used. Uh, and that was, that was the priority at the time. It was a bit late for that, wasn't it? Don't you think? So, going on to um, the ICR. Love that. It's, I mean, it, it come, those two in particular come across to me as a, a very stern, angry father of an ex-partner, someone you've wronged, and a very, very angry headmistress at a school giving you a telling off in front of the class. Uh, certainly, my memory of being told off in front of classes uh, bore a, a striking resemblance to that ticking off from Joe Stevens that we just heard. I mean, this went on for five hours. Um, don't envy me for having to sit there and, and cover that, although I did get a good story out of it. Um, but it, it's to me, it really underscored the just quite how different the UK's grilling was compared yeah. to Zuckerberg's in the US. And, and certainly, at the moment, 
the expectations well i say the expectation the, the the demand from dcms is to still get mark zuckerberg over here they actually issued a press release after the hearing and said and this is a quote mps found the majority of mr shrepfer's answers about facebook's business practices including their policies on the privacy and protection of users data and their relationship with cambridge analytica and associated companies to be unsatisfactory they said shrepfer failed to answer fully on nearly 40 separate points and as such once again they are calling on zuckerberg to appear now you know if 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 the cto got a bashing like that that is probably just angry foreplay before, you know, I don't want to go too far with this metaphor, before, <laughs> qu- before quite the smackdown, I would, I would imagine. Um, and, it's not be- and it's not despite the fact that he didn't make some commitments that were well received. I mean, Facebook, uh, Shrepfer said that Facebook will make sure that political ads on its platform will be vetted and transparent in time for the England and Northern Ireland 2019 local elections, uh, that only verified accounts are going to be allowed to pay for political ads and that users will be able to view all promotions paid for by a campaign, not just those that are targeted to, to them based on their demographics or their their, their likes. Yeah, but I'm just going to I'm just going to raise a concern because as we've said many times, it isn't just about political ads that are um, that cause the problems on Facebook. It's about sentiment and making people um, have a reaction to certain things and playing on their fears. Um, so political ads are one thing, but the the kind of advertising that's taking place on Facebook, I don't think will be stopped by that, and the damage it does, I don't think will be either i wanted to um richard taylor in the chat was saying that um he felt sorry for the cto um because they were asking quite uh, leading questions and i i have some some sort of sympathy for that but at the same time there were so many things that he just he just either wouldn't answer he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't give the name of one of the guys working on the project uh the the lead of the uh, who's investigating the you know the security internally or whatever um, and, and it just went on and on and on, and I, I kind of felt that neither of them covered themselves in glory. Uh, yeah, there was, there was actually there was a few occasions where he he was asked to give names, and he kept saying, you know, I'll be happy to give them to you outside this arena, but there's an ongoing investigation. But I mean, I, and I do, I, I I don't have a major problem with him not giving over names. I don't see what what it adds massively. Uh, but there were other things that he couldn't answer or wouldn't answer, um, stuff that he should have known he would he was going to be asked. I can't remember a particular example, um, but there uh, there were things that I, I felt that he should have answered, and I was annoyed, and uh, yeah, I suppose that's, the, that's his job. It felt like going in, it, it was exactly what I sort of thought it would be, which is... Um, there would be a lot of, I can't answer that question, I don't have the information in front of me, blah, blah, blah. And it just didn't feel, you know, it just felt like he was hiding behind that answer. I think part of the reason was, you know, he was expecting, I think, to come in and maybe sit for 90 minutes, couple of hours, and talk through the technological back ends to Facebook. You know, I think he was he was coming to say, you know, this is how ads work. This is how we've been protecting the system. This is how we've been closing accounts down. You know, speaking from a very much a kind of tech, uh, you know, from a tech angle, whereas what the DCMS wanted was to ask him what they wanted to ask Zuckerberg and asked him anyway. So there were a lot of occasions where he probably genuinely couldn't answer a lot of questions because he actually didn't know and it was it was in those instances that i definitely felt sorry for him because at the end of the day he is doing his job and i do think he did well to put up with it for five hours without crumbling but at the same time you know 
that's what a CTO sometimes has to do. If you've got a C in your name and you're being paid a lot of money, you're going to have to answer some hard questions. And so, and that's when my uh, sort of sympathy sort of slides away um, from him a little bit. But it was yeah. it was very it was tough. And I don't think we gave him gave him too hard a time, given the extent of the problems that this you know has has caused, or or, or rather, given the you know the revelations that have arisen. If I'd have been asking those questions, I, I'd like to think I'd have been slightly better technologically informed. Um, I don't know what line of questioning I'd have gone down, but I would have certainly pursued the um, you. You know, they they know they knew all along that this data was available to third parties. Why would they ever think that was acceptable? And why would they ever allow third parties to take that data away with them? Um, you know, terms of service be damned. It doesn't make any difference. It's um, you know the 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 need to protect people um, from, you know, th- their data being sold is surely obvious. Um, and I don't know whether it's um, whether it's a problem with tech companies because they're very immature often. They don't have a lot of experience. It's not like other companies where they might think, uh, well, there's a, it's clear how this could go wrong for us. But the one thing I don't get the impression at any American firm is that there is a lack of in-house counsel to advise on these things. Um, and I kind of feel like this was foreseeable and silly. Well, if you have any views on this, was it foreseeable? Was it silly? Were we too harsh on the CTO? Should Zuckerberg make an appearance? All of these questions would be great to have some opinions on. You can send them to hello at techpodcast.uk or you can tweet them to us at textmessagepod. All are welcome. Ian, let's talk about streaming music revenue, shall we? Oh, lovely, Not, yes. Yes. Um, and I think the reason to talk about them is because they rose 41% last year to become the largest source of income for recorded music in 2017. This is according to an IFPI report as written up by The Register. This is the trade group, the IFPI, International Federation of the Phonographic Industry. And every year they do an annual survey that looks at the uh, streaming growth that's been recorded. Uh, and for this this time round, it's been the third year in which growth has uh, has risen every year. It's up 8.1% year on year. This is also one of the highest rates of growth since the IFPI began tracking the market in 1997. Paid streaming rose 45.5% just in in the one year. And by the end of 2017, there were 176 million users of paid subscription accounts globally. And 64 million of those were added during the last 12 months. So that's your paid Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, and so on. Now, to put this uh, recovery into context, and the IFPI calls it a recovery, but I think it's very much still a recovery in progress. Um, the total industry revenues for last year was, 70, uh, was 68.4% of the market's peak in 1999. Now, that is a direct quote from the IFPI, except I removed the word just from 68.4% of the market's peak because I actually don't think that 68.4% of a market peak of 20 years ago qualifies as being just given how screwed the industry was and how little the music industry initially did to try and help itself. I actually think that getting to almost 70% of where it was at its highest point ever is pretty good going and i i think that that is something everyone should be quite pleased about in the yeah. music industry well they should they should be because i mean yeah like you said there was a there were, they didn't do a lot to help themselves initially like we all saw napster happening and we 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 all knew that 
what that meant. It meant that people wanted digital music. They wanted to be able to download it immediately. Um, and they wanted to pay as little as possible for it. But, you know, that, that last point was always going to be negotiable when you were involving if official music suppliers. Um, but the technology was there the moment Napster launched for, to provide some sort of service like this. It just took them an, an unforgivable amount of time to get round to doing it properly. Um, and yeah, I, and I think that, you know, there is so much, there are so many revenue streams for music now. Now, it's not all good news, is it? Because obviously a lot of these, it, it, I think if anything, this has sort of intensified somewhat the, um, the, the neat, you know, the problems with having a few artists who get a lot of attention. Uh, you know, it's probably very easy for Taylor Swift to make a billion dollars. Um, it's it's a lot less easy for someone just starting up with their own YouTube channel, doing their own thing, singing, you know, trying to just be a musician. Um, but again, you know, I mean, it, at least there is a platform available for people now. I mean, Spotify is very open, isn't it? You know, it's not difficult for someone to put their music on Spotify. You can go um, through a third party. I mean, I, I've, I've certainly done it. I've, I've got a song on Spotify. Yeah. But, but, um, but YouTube, it's interesting you mentioned YouTube because YouTube was sort of, cited in this report as essentially not playing by the rules and the ifpi was quite complimentary of the likes of apple music um which you'd probably expect given there was a full page advertisement for apple music right at the very beginning of the pdf version of the report i assume it's in a printed version but i didn't have access to that um but 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 they talk about youtubers you know not playing by the same rules as everybody else and i think that when you look at the rumors about uh, Google looking to kind of consolidate its music offerings, you know, around YouTube, it's got Google Play Music. Um, there's sort of reason to believe that YouTube probably has got to the size that it can without maybe playing by some more of the rules that the record industry wants, because it knows yes. that to not play by the rules could just mean being cut off. I, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say exactly the same thing about YouTube as I said about it when we talked about um, you know ad ad revenue and and changes to the uh, algorithm and stuff like that. Uh, YouTube does its level best to um, disadvantage everyone except itself. Um, it's having. I saw an article. I didn't actually read it, but I saw the headline. It was something like YouTube's having a horrible year, uh, but it's never made more money, uh, which sums it up really, doesn't it? It's um, it's it's basically ruining smaller creators, which is uh, annoying. Um, it's got a problem with extreme content that doesn't seem to be easily solvable. It's got algorithms coming out the wazoo that don't seem to know what they're doing. Um, and it's making it's making the site harder for me to use it. I'll, one of the examples is that I, I notice I, I don't get told about videos uh, on my on the on the homepage, my homepage, my personalized homepage. Um, I don't get told about videos for channels I've subscribed to unless the algorithm thinks I've watched enough of the content um, to see it. And I just find that baffling like i i expect that homepage to be a reflection of the things that i've subscribed to and i want to see uh, when creators publish uh, new videos even if that makes it a little bit more difficult to use or what they think makes it more difficult to use but anyway um yes i don't think youtube does pay anyone the fair amount that they're owed i think that's their business model and i think that the music industry if anyone will be the ones to uh, to take them to task over it Ian, let's stay on the topic of streaming music and also talk about one of your all-time favourite hobbies, swearing. 
Ah, Al- yes. Although, although, don't worry, parents. There'll be no actual swearing on the show. Certainly not on the edited version of the show. Uh, but we're going to talk about swearing and streaming because the BBC wrote this week that Spotify has started testing a way of filtering out songs that have explicit lyrics. Apparently, right now, and I did not have a real knowledge that this figure was so high, more than a third of all songs in the top 20, uh, top 50, sorry, in Spotify's UK chart contain explicit lyrics, which is a staggering number to me, frankly. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll come back to that. It's very, I mean, swearing in songs is just something that's just very common now. I, I, I would say it's a very, re- well, not maybe not a very recent thing, but it, in, the, in what I would consider pop, it's very common. It's amazing that you can have a social network that won't let the image of a nipple appear on its yeah. website and yet you can we can still somehow have songs 23 songs in the top 50 uh, right now apparently that contain explicit lyrics yeah i mean anyway there we go the new setting is going to be introduced in fact it has been introduced for some people at the start of april and it grays out explicit songs so par- you know it prevents them from playing but it doesn't actually replace them with a non-explicit clean version of songs which for you know most pop music often exist now i don't understand it i mean like i don't understand why that's not a thing and i did actually have a problem with this because um there was i I don't actually mind too much but there was a song i can't remember who it was i think jason derulo or something like that that izzy really liked um and it has it had some swearing in it um now i'm kind of of the mind that they probably won't notice and um the only problem is if they sing it but they're not that good at singing. Like they sing choruses, but they don't tend to sing everything else. Um, but yeah, so I was I was okay with it. But then I but then I was like, actually, it would be better if there was a way to do this in Spotify, so that I could make it so that the kids' playlists were just automatically clean. That would work. I mean, you yeah. raised uh, uh, what's his name, Jason Derulo. Uh, my only my only fact about Jason Derulo is that he seems to constantly sing his own name in his own songs. Mm, yeah, um, I think I think his egomania is more of a problem for me with the kids than his uh, occasional swears. Mm, that's a, that is a problem. But one of the reasons why I was interested in in this technology rolling out. I mean, apart from the fact that it seems quite late compared to some of the competition. I mean, I think Apple's had this tagging system like the parental controls for several years is that swearing is probably not the only problem in some music uh and you know i listen listen to a lot of heavy metal a lot of very obnoxious heavy metal with bands like cannibal corpse and aborted and other horrible names and 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 the music's fantastic and i love it and i'll defend it to the death but but the lyrical content for a lot of brutal death metal is horrific sort of you the know. point of it really isn't it yeah i mean it was described by one one musician in in one of these bands as saying you know no one goes and sees a horror movie and doesn't expect it to be grisly in some way mm. you know if you if you had a, a horror a, a horror film that just had a lovely love story all the way through it or had no shouting or screaming or anything it wouldn't really be a horror movie and and in the same way a lot of sort of brutal death metal wouldn't really be the same if it didn't have growled vocals and um you know and and lyrics underneath those growled vocals that are on topics that kind of fit the sound but it does make me think i mean i'm not going to read any out because we try and be a family friendly show but if you want to see some of the lyrics that appear in some of these songs go and do a Google search for an album by Cannibal Corpse called Tomb of the Mutilated. That is something that will be marked as explicit in exactly the same way as something marked explicit that just says, you know, 
four f-bombs or something and i sort of think there should be maybe a gradient of this because you could move you could do the same with sexual content you know pop music is extremely sexualized mm, uh, yeah. music videos are, are extremely sexualized and there's been a long conversation about you know, children being exposed to over-sexualized uh, products and, and images, and but everything's kind of all wrapped into the into the same thing. And and swearing is bad, and there's no gradient of explicitness like there is with movies or video games. And it just it made me wonder whether maybe there we should have a slightly broader filter for explicit music that um, that goes further than just they say swear words. And actually, you know, it's very sexual lyrics or it's very violent lyrics or it's, uh, you know, involves, vi- you know, s- something that, that somebody would find offensive. You know, you don't need loads. We only have four or five on TV. You have drugs and sex and language. Well, well, actually, I believe and I'm right. And I think I'm right in saying this, but the, the music categorization thing, which is very sort of base, really, doesn't really do a lot. It's just explicit. Isn't um, isn't just language, is it? It is content, too. Um, so presumably the songs that are E would be flagged as such um, and would go out on all platforms with that, even if they didn't have, I mean, say in a rare in- instance, they had something suggestive, but they weren't sweary. Well, actually, I've got a very good example of, of that. And there's a song sung by uh, a woman called Luciana, sort of a dance dance artist and there's there's one of her songs that has no swearing in it at all whatsoever but one of the lyrics is a very uh vivid reference to uh a woman's sexuality let's say and and it works in the context of the song but i noticed i just happened to see uh the music video for it less than a week ago and noticed that in the music video version that particular word is a completely different word that doesn't actually change the nature of the song at all. In fact, it fits very, very well. But it's just interesting to me that they had to do a clean version just specifically for that one that one um, lyric. I can't remember yeah. the name of the song now, which is a which is a bit of a shame. But I'll I'll find I'll find the name of it and put a link to it in the show notes uh, at uh, techpodcast.uk if anyone wants to go and listen to that. Well, if you've got any thoughts on this and categorization of swearing or the problems of keeping uh, bad language away from children or just delicate ears, let us know what your methods are and what your opinions are. Hello at techpodcast.uk. Let's dive into the mailbag, shall we, Ian? Um, We talked last week about local TV channels, and we asked if anybody had a local TV channel that they watched. Maybe they could write in and tell us what it's like. And we've had an email come in from Liam, who said, just thought I'd email about the local TV channels you recently spoke about. I live in Cumbria, where we have a local station called That's TV Cumbria, Channel 8 on Freeview. Firstly, I would not miss it, as the programming mainly consists of local news. The stories are generally the type that aren't high-profile or big enough to make it onto your local BBC or ITV news programs the quality is also very average you can tell it's done by with basic camera equipment and sound equipment presenter wise it seems like they either use local university students who are taking media to read the news or people can apply i say this because to me it appears there's a revolving door policy with no consistent staff advertisement is just done the same as your normal commercial station q barry scott And the only other programs apart from news is old, old films, the ones you've never heard of. Overall, this is just an experiment which is doomed to fail and I won't miss it one bit. Love the pod. Cheers, Liam. Thank you, Liam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I read that when it came in and I I, I agree. Yeah, I mean... 
there is nothing to say about a lot of places. I mean, it's it's and that's not a bad thing necessarily. You know, it's most most people's lives are normal and unencumbered by murders. Or I mean, I mean, Cumbria is is often best known for being the place where the Lake District is, and mm. the Lake District is predominantly known for having lots of lakes and hills and not a lot of people in it. Yes, so. It would surprise it, w- it would surprise me if Liam had written in to say that it's an essential watch each week. Well, look, let's just put it this way: if if London can't manage a compelling local TV channel and it can't, then I don't see any reason that the rest of the country would be able to manage it. Edinburgh, <laughs> Manchester, Liverpool—they none of them have got enough stuff to fill a TV channel. They've got loads of robbers and crime doers, haven't they? I mean, you'd, you'd have thought. Yeah, but you can't just report every uh, house has been broken into. It's not interesting. Like, yeah. it's fine, you know, but we don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. I want the crimes to be solved. Spend the money on the police. Yeah, round Hertfordshire, where I live, it'd be lost chicken, not lost. Uh, thanks very much, Liam, for getting in touch. Uh, let's check in with the DTNS crew over at Daily Tech News Show. What has been going on this week, guys? Hey, thanks. This week on Daily Tech News Show, we took our best guesses at what an Amazon household robot would be good for. Talked about whether we'd want to take advantage of Amazon's new service to deliver packages into the trunk of your parked car, or the boot, I guess. Talked about why even with Netflix and everything else, we like going to the theater. Looked into why keeping pig brains alive after decapitation is a good thing. And got the Canadian perspective on tech from our roundtable regarding piracy, fake news, subscription services, and more. All of that and much more at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Thank you to our patrons supporting us every week. If you're not yet a patron but would like to get our ad-free versions, our extended cuts, live streaming, access to our Discord members club, as well as our weekly features and outtakes, head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech and find out how you can support us with zero commitment and instant access to our entire back catalogue and also the opinion quake feature, which we may change the name of, Um, and some further memories Ian and I have of our writings back at CNET. That's all available now on our Patreon feed. But thank you to everyone as well for leaving us reviews on iTunes and following us on Twitter. That helps just as much in a way because that helps us reach more people and that's what we want to do at the end of the day. So from me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.